With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready for some hot, steamy conversation? <laughs> I don't know about how steamy it is, but yeah. <laughs> My mother and I had a fantastic relationship. This is Stephen, and I just want to share. Uh, yeah, I want to expound on that just quickly, because the real man. Good morning, and welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm Soy, host of the fastest growing online talk show where we discuss real topics with real people in real situations. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Coffee Talk with Soy, your new morning show where real talk happens every Saturday at 10 a.m. Grab your favorite morning beverage and let's get ready. It's about to go down. I want to remind you all to visit our website, Coffee Talk with Soy, and to download the app so that you can stay connected to each and every show. So everyone wants to live the best life. They can, right? Of course they do. Which is why people have goals and constantly search for the best ways to achieve them. People seek out all kinds of resources. Books, the internet, schools, seminars, in hopes for answers. The question is, why do these things often fail to work? Why do some people's attempt at goals start strong, but then they burn out? Our guest today has authored a book that will provide that information for you. Oh yeah, his name is Sean Taylor, and the title of his book is You Are God, The Three Core Powers of Success. He's involved in multiple organizations, most of which concern entrepreneurship, technology, the arts, and education. Sean is an advocate for education and equality and writes materials for ages 30 and under. Please welcome our guest in the studio today, Mr. Sean Taylor. Good morning, Sean. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Soy? Oh, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. Glad to have you on the show and hanging out in the studio with me today. All right. Glad to be here. All right, Sean. So tell us, where where are you from? I'm from Decatur, Georgia, born and bred. Oh, I hear they say Decatur is where it's great. Is that, is that true? It's definitely the truth. We we switched up the phrase a little bit, but it's definitely the truth. It's always the best place to be from. I'm so proud. 
So, so what's the switch on phrase? Because I like to be on top of things. I like to be in the know. So what's the new oh, phrase? Man. You put me on the pre- you put pressure on me. I ain't even I didn't even come up with nothing. <laughs> well, Sean, I'm glad to have you on on the show today. I I enjoy meeting you and enjoy learning about the material that you put out, which is what we're going to get into some discussion about. Now, now the title of the book is You Are God. God spelled with a small, lowercase g-o-d. Generally, when we see the word God, we generally see it with all capital letters. It's usually emphasized by a capital or upper letter G. Tell me, why did you decide to lowercase the G, and why is that significant in the title? Well, for one, G the lowercase, because I'm not saying you are that omniscient, ever-present being that is the big guy, G-O-D, the one and only. What I am saying, you are God in the sense of we're all gods. You know, some people can think of themselves as the son of God, you know, we're children of God. So if you're of God, you're from that source, it makes you God. Um, more specifically into the book, I don't even I honestly talk too much about um, a religious aspect, but in, the, in direct reference to the book, I'm just speaking of our nature, which is we are able to create. We think of God as the creator, and we can create ourselves, the things that we think come into existence. We put things into existence. And um, hey, and, and just a, a little fun fact for people who don't know, you know, Jesus said, you are God in the Bible. Um, it was John 10:34, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it sounds like you're up and up on your on your Bible verses, so we 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 uh we're not gonna get into that on this Saturday morning. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we we'll wait for tomorrow for that. Yeah, we do like to reference the word, and people like to know where the point of reference comes from. So I appreciate you you pointing that out. You kind of showing out on us already. We even got into the heavy stuff, and he already cutting up with the title. But it's all good. It's all good. So in, in your book, I enjoy browsing through it, and, and, and when doing that, I found that in your title page, you mentioned core powers of success, and the book is designed and written to, in, into, into those three cores. And it, right, it, right. It, identifies, it, it identifies peer choice, mindset, and habits. How did you come to select those? Well, I did a lot of studying. I just looked through a lot of individuals throughout time, and these are the things that I came down to, pure choice, mindset, and habit. They get broken down into a few other facets, and they talk about other other things, but those are the three overarching things that they apply to anything, and they don't even discriminate, good or evil. You know, good people have used them in the past, bad people have used them in the past. To be quite honest, I thought when I opened it, I was going to see the mind, body, and the spirit. Because generally, when people refer to God or anything humanistic, you know, we talk about those three elements. But as we look at the core powers of, of success, I, I, after reading some of it, I begin to see how that that can fall into place. I actually like. Well, I think one of my favorite, my favorite part of the book is pure choice, because I, I think that mostly everything starts with the decision. And once we make that decision, that is where we begin to see, or, or, or that's when the experience starts. Once you decide yeah. that this is what I'm going to do, that's when it, whatever that experience is going to be behind that decision is, 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 is where it is. So, yeah. And as a matter of fact, 
personally, I'm a person, I'm generally known to be indecisive, especially in restaurants. Don't ever take me out to eat without <laughs> person. It's my mom's fault because she there was a lot of always pressure of making the right decision. So I'm always pondering over is this right? Is this right? Is this right? So I really appreciate reading and learning more about pure choice. Let's talk about how you define or describe that in, in the book. Okay. Well, I'll just start with regular choice. Regular choice can be defined as, or the problem with regular choice, for that matter, is in so many ways it's afflicted and affected by the environment around us, right? And it doesn't. Have, it could be a positive or a negative choice, but it's affected by the environment around us, whereas you can have somebody going to school just because their parents want them to go to school or go, have a career path just because their parents want them to have a career path or what society wants them to do, or they – and that's kind of external environmental, um, I call it noise. And then there's some internal things that affect choice, such as our own fears and doubts or just thinking of how embarrassed we might be because of what society might think of us if we do what we want to do. So those are a lot of things that can affect your choice, your choices, and they can actually cause you to do almost the exact opposite of what you actually intend or want to do. And pure choice, specifically, is it's pure, just like it says, like in the word, it's untainted. It's coming from your core. And when you make that pure choice because it's coming from such a pure place, it allows you to target your goals with, with a obsession. Like you're creating a new standard for your life because you really want this, you desire, it, and it's past that base, basic, I just... I would like to have this. No, you made a choice where this is going to happen. Now, I, when I hear, um, we should really always be making decisions from pure choice, right? Yes, I would. I would say so, ideally. But honestly, the world does not work that way. We do. We are always affected by our environment. I, I'm. I'm sure there's some, you know, monk out in the woods who has mastered the ability to live on pure choice solely. But just generally speaking, just because we do have so many unconscious things affecting us throughout time and throughout our lives, it's hard to be on guard against everything. But that's kind of why we always have to center ourselves. And particularly when we make big decisions, we have to really ground ourselves and I guess you could say meditate on it. So I would say in many ways, the the most useful way to use pure choice would be the direction you want to go in because there'll be a lot of little slip ups throughout on the way. But if you can at least pick your direction based on a pure choice, then that'll basically guide you towards something positive. Now I have a spiritual background, kind of raised in church kind of thing. And yeah. From, you know, from from that perspective, we it, it sounds kind of like a word from God, or you know, um, or my, my spirit, something my spirit told me to do this. So that that sounds similar to what I've learned from from church folk. That um, that pure choice, or like you said, is 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 something deep within driven. We, we call right. it you know the spirituality. Uh, women, pro women. Shout out to all the pro women out there. We call it intuition. We we just know these things. So 
at, at any point, it does come from a place that that's deep within. I'm sure that we we all can relate to that. Right, right. I de- I definitely agree with what you said. And one point that I always like to make that people actually defilo the way they think about so many of these things. But when you look at the cores that oftentimes get promoted within religion or even sports and business, many of these things are all the exact same key habits of success or key advice for success, which is why I use the three cores and I kind of separate it from all of those things. But everything definitely in my um, in my book you can find somewhere in the Bible or you'll hear someone mention something similar in business. It's it's, it's nothing completely new. There there are no new fundamentals. The fundamentals have been true and lasted throughout time. I'm just bringing them to to the front in a new way and making it easier to memorize and drive through a little deeper. Who who would you say that your book is directly um, written to? Who, who's the audience that that you're writing this material for? I would say most target would actually be young. Kids, well, I would say 18 to late um, late 20s. And I say that because at that time in people's lives, I believe they are so much more impressionable and more apt to make a change. Mm-hmm. And also just because one of the primary reasons I wrote this book was actually to help out a friend. And I knew that friend would take me more seriously if I put these words in a book. You know, there were so many things that fell into place. There's so much story behind that. But I was like, okay, if I write this book, my friend's going to listen a lot more than if I just give him that regular old friend advice. And he says, oh, man, that was good, and that's a feel-good conversation, and he moves on. So I would say that's my target, but at the same time, I've had people from 13 to 72 love my book and say I made a change, which is really surprising, and I'm actually, so I'm starting to broaden my focus as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. So are you giving a percentage to your friend who you wrote this book for? <laughs> or did I just put the wrong thing out there? <laughs> oh, man. You know, might have to, you might have to cut that out somehow. <laughs> you are. No, there, there, there was no... <laughs> no, there was no uh, percentage intended, nothing like that. Um, I didn't have that in mind. But when I, but when I made it... Um, great cool enough was he got to read an early version and he's he just told me how the impression i made on his life and he's made some serious changes in his life since that time and he hasn't even been the only friend i guess because i wrote it to one voice in in my age range that others could easily relate to it as well but mm-hmm. it's just been really cool Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I, I noticed also in the book, I, I read some material in there that talked about desire and decision. Yes. And under that, it, it 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 read, what you want versus what you won't do without. Let's talk about right. that and explain that to the audience. Okay. Well, what you want is is what people always say. People always say maybe I want to be rich or I want to have a good relationship or I want to have all A's in school or whatever they're speaking of. But the people who make a pure choice, they're committed to it. This is their standard. They oftentimes more likely reach that goal because they are decided. They have decided I will not do without. 
I'm going to meet this standard. So if you have somebody who just says, I want a million dollars, you can ask anybody in the world, walk around, everybody will probably say they want a million dollars. But the people who actually commit to it and do the work, you're actually putting in the work, mm-hmm. the capital, the sweat and tears, whatever you have to do to create that, that's the difference. And that's where you see the division in reaching your goals in life in comparisons to other people when it's in any particular lane. So I would say a pure choice, one of the primary things I say for figuring out your pure choice is there has to be a why, right? Mm-hmm. I'll use this example. If I said, who wants a million dollars, everybody will say yes. But if I said, who wants a million dollars, okay, good, you want a million dollars, but you still have to live with that a million dollars on a $30,000 a year lifestyle. So you can only live as if you have $30,000 a year. What's the point of having a million-dollar bank account if you only have $30,000 options? There's no point of that. So we can't have a goal just for the sake of me getting a goal. We can't just say I want a million dollars to have a million dollars if we want a million dollars. We have to have a true why and attach it to the goal, and that's more so the pure choice. And if you have that why attached, you're not going to just be aiming for the ceiling. You'll break through the ceiling because the whys are strong enough to get you, they're stronger than the goal oftentimes. Yeah, yeah, I get that. The why is the passion. The why is the purpose. The why is the reason. So, yeah, exactly. and, and that And that which is the drive. You're pretty intelligent, Sean, to be such a young guy. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty intelligent. Quite, quite impressive, quite impressive. I'll say, well, I'll take that. <laughs> you want to share with us the, the highway experience that you reference in the book? Okay, I speak of an example where I'm sure all of your listeners have driven before. And if you, when you're in a car and you're going home, let's just say that you're going home, and then we have this instance that happen, happens all the time where, or not all the time, but often enough where you'll blank out at the wheel and you're not exactly paying attention. You're driving, you're not in, you don't get in a wreck or anything, but you're not paying attention, right? And sometimes you lose track of where you are and you pass your exit. You don't end up at the right place. Or sometimes you make it home. And if you leave it, this, I use this as an analogy for how sometimes people blank out at the wheel of life. So, and what I mean by that is if you aren't choosing, you aren't making your choices and and choosing the direction you go, making really deliberate progress, you're blanking at the, out at the wheel of life because you're letting life push you along. Life is going to push you along because it's always going to change. Every force in the world has its own goal in mind, and if you don't make a pure choice and push towards that goal, those forces will use you and they will push you around and use you for their own purpose. And that's what's going to happen when you're blanking out at the wheel. You'll end up at the right direction, maybe, just maybe. But a lot of times you'll end up in the wrong place. And you don't want to make that gamble in the first place. So what you have to do is be conscious in life, pay attention, and wake up. Because what I like to say is people spread themselves so thin just doing everything because they don't have a true choice and they're not following a specific direction. They're spreading themselves so thin, 
and you'll find somebody that's always busy. You know, you got your friends. Oh, we we can't go out. No, I'm busy. Up, I'm busy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But still, they look up a year later, two years later, three years later, and they have made no progress in life as in reference to where they want to go or where they wish they went. And this is because they were busy doing nothing. None of these things added up or culminated towards one specific goal or direction. I love that. I love that. I always think, uh, which is the tagline for the show, live on purpose. I definitely co-sign that. I think it's relevant. You know, because we do. I love that tagline because what what I've experienced myself is once you find your purpose or feel feel a sense of how great you are as a person and all of the power that you have, you almost feel a responsibility to to show the world your potential to do great things. Say that thing. Say Say it. Say it. Yeah. I experienced it myself, and you realize you just realize how much God has blessed you, and all these things you have going for you. It's just like, well, what, what is all this stuff that I'm, you know, crying about, or or making it seem harder than it is? I have everything in me to change my situation, and I can give this to the world. I, I believe in my heart that we we always have what we need to get through what we're going through. I think that God gives us. The re, you know the resources that we need. We just gotta figure out where it is and how to access it, and 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 how to re- release it. So, with that being said, you you are God is it, definitely a concept that I think we we all are. We 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 have we have it within us, and it's been able to understand that and to identify where it is, and, and, and to know how to release it to get the results that you want to get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, they say the kingdom is within, and an interesting thing that reminded me of what you said, we have everything we we need. I read a book, Thinking Girl Rich. I think it's a black choice. And there was this, an anecdote in there, and this wasn't even the point of the story. It was talking about a woman in Chicago back in the day, and she was like the first black uh, marketer for her agency or something like that back um yeah back in that time but one thing that when they asked about her drive she spoke of her grandmother and one thing she just said about her grandmother is she was talking about how her grandmother was super religious she was a woman of faith and she was a, was an avid prayer but she never prayed for anything that she could do herself and what that said to me was you know, we already have the ability to do things. So sometimes you might pray for something and ask for it. And we're like, okay, where's my answer? And you get angry at God. And God's like, I already gave you the tools to do it. Like, don't be mad at me. Like, you already gave you the answer. You have it. So that's kind of something that you reminded me of. You know what? You remember the movie that Will Smith was in with, with his son where he was when he got the job? Yeah, yep. yeah. So from the mouths of babe, where he in the movie the the kid tells a joke, in which uh, the joke had inspired his dad when he talked about that he said, "You want to hear a joke?" There was a man out there in the water, and the man was drowning, and the man wanted help, and so a guy drove by in the boat and said, "Hey, do you need any help?" He said, "No, God's going to save me." 
And someone else came by. He said, hey, do you need help? He said, no, God's going to save me. The man drowned and died. Oh, yeah. Right. So he went to heaven, and, 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 and he said, God, I was out there drowning. Why didn't you save me? He said, well, I sent you help. I sent you two people. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and from the mouth of Bay, there goes that sword. But what it says to us is that it, it's a reminder that we pray for things, we ask for things, and they don't come in the packages that or in the form that's acceptable and recognizable to us. So we think that that's not the help or that's not what we need. But yet, it was there all the time. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes sometimes a, a man prays for for a good woman, and but she doesn't come with this this long curly hair and and certain waist and all that stuff. Or a woman might pray for a man, and he not. Six four and <laughs> nice <six> things in place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it speaks to all of that. So, so what you're what you're telling me is stop holding out for the six pack because it might not. Be, <laughs> it might be twelve. <laughs> if, if, if you like beer, you, you know, <laughs> go on down to the store. Clover got plenty. If you just if you just join us now, we have Sean Taylor in the studio, and we're talking about his new book, "You Are God." with the lowercase g. We just finished talking about the power, the core powers of success that he refers to in his book, and then we want to tap into the one that he refers to as the habits. Let's give a synopsis to the audience of what that chapter is about. Habits. All right, the habits, well, that actually it's like a whole, a whole section. Um, but the habits are, I'll break it down to two things. First, I'll just speak of the power of habits. Okay, so the, this is the power of habit, literally. If you have good habits, then you'll be doing those good habits over and over again, subconsciously, after a certain step, because when it becomes a habit, you aren't using up the resource of your forethought. You're not thinking consciously all of the time. You know, this is like when I walk across the room, I turn on the light. That's the example I use in the book. You don't have to always think that through when you wake up in the morning or when you walk into the room, it's just a habit. But then a bad habit is the same thing. You know, you do it subconsciously. And the point I make as far as the power of habit, and I back this up and I reinforce this, but when we're not thinking, the good habits will lead you to victory. And just as surely, when you're not thinking, bad habits will lead you to defeat. Because we can't always be on guard against exactly what we're doing. We do a lot of things without thinking. So that's the power of habit. And then there's just another cool thing that I, I like to call habit insurance. Um, an example I kind of use, when you're doing something over and over again, it becomes a habit. When you're doing this habit and you stop doing this habit, you start to notice. It, it becomes it becomes hard on you sometimes. There's a type of withdrawal you see with drugs when people stop. It becomes a habit. It's drugs. You see it when people are in habit and are in love with somebody and it goes awry and people feel it. It becomes physical. Me personally, when I'm working out, and then I, I even use this example in the book in particular, when I stop around the holiday season because it's hard to work out because I'm with my family, I'm going back and forth, et cetera, et cetera, 
after a few days, I'm like, oh, my gosh, man. You know, I, I got to get back in the gym. After about a week, I'm like, I feel horrible. And it just gets worse and worse until I finally get back in the gym. If I call that habit insurance, you know, your body sets off an alarm to let you know that, okay, man, this this isn't right. We have to get back to our balance. But it actually does the same thing for bad habits, too. Just like I said, when you're speaking of drugs with withdrawal, and this scientifically, this uh, you can relate this to homeostasis, which is basically our internal um, inclination to mm-hmm. keep our body balanced. And it's, it's it's so many really cool things um, that you that actually that really relates to. I'll give you this example really quickly too, because it's not only within us as a whole, but it actually works within social structures. Um, they've Psychologists have done tests and things, and therapists where, for this example, think of a father who's on alcohol. He's an alcoholic or he's a druggie, and it's just really going bad for his family. He's really creating all of this dysfunction for his family. And but then the family finally gets the dad to, hey, start recovering. He goes to a therapist or he goes to rehab, and he returns. He is good, and all the dysfunction that was rooted in his actions has disappeared. Well, many times, months later, weeks later, whatever the time period is, all of a sudden the son will start acting up or the daughter will start acting up or the mother, whoever, all only to return the balance back to the dysfunction that became the family's normal because Functional become abnormal for a family that's used to being dysfunctional. And that's back to that homeostasis trying to put this social structure back at a balance. Uh-huh. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting that, stuff. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I don't even think that the audience can handle anything other than that. Because <laughs> if you let that resonate for a minute, it gets you thinking, hmm. So let's let's tell them where they can find a copy of this book and get more information about you. You are info dot com. Um the book is also available on Amazon dot com. The book is you being used in Atlanta's youth detention center as we speak to help youth learn some of the successful mindsets so they can improve the way they think about certain situations and more successfully get themselves past their goals. Well, we enjoyed having you in the studio with us today, Sean, and we're looking forward to helping you promote your book and getting this out there. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Soy. I just love this show. Coffee Talk with Soy, that is your new morning show where real talk happens every Saturday at 10 a.m. I'd like to thank the listeners and the guests for joining me in the cafe today. What a wonderful time we had. Yes, indeed. Don't forget to download the app, Coffee Talk with Soy, from your app store. It's now available by iTunes or Google Play. Stay connected, stay connected by visiting the website, www.coffeetalkwithsoy.com as well as looking for us on your social media sites. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the name Coffee Talk with Soy. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye-bye.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 